0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You listen to Green, Green. you
1: might turn red. red. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.
0: All right, here we are. Let's get started with our conversation with uh, Roger Wolfson. Uh, he was a student of Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren, wrote speeches for her. Also, Chief Education Counsel for Senator Paul Wellstone, and then on Senator Ted Kennedy's Labor Committee, served on the staff of Senator Joe Lieberman, and he was speechwriter for Senator John Kerry, who became the Secretary of State. Roger, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me, Roy. Would you explain to us, please, uh, the mood within the Democratic Party, the mood of those on the left of the spectrum in the United States um, I, about the election of Donald Trump? What what was no, the night of November the eighth like for Democrats and for people on the philosophical left in the United States? And how's it progressed? How's the mood? I don't, I guess progressed isn't the right word, but how has the mood evolved since November the 8th?
1: Well, um, for, first, just let me just correct something, just there's any misunderstanding. Um, I, yeah, I, I went to University of Pennsylvania Law School at when Professor Warren was teaching there, but I I have, you know, uh, I, although I do write speeches, I try not to talk about who I write speeches for. I would love to support her in any way, but... Um, I just want to make that clear to your audience that I'm not involved with uh, with Elizabeth Warren, even though that would be an honor. Understood. Um, but getting back to getting back to your question with Donald Trump, um, yeah, the mood was absolutely despondent. It really was. I, I think that there were a lot of people on the left who didn't think it was really possible. Um, there's a lot of us who really feel as though Trump um, is is an unstable person. Um, uh, for whatever his appeal might be, and the fact that he certainly has captured a wave of hurt and frustration on the part of a lot of Americans and in certain other parts of the world, um, a lot of liberals don't feel like he's safe, um, and that and, and feel like he, a lot of the choices he's made before becoming president and after becoming pres- president, do not represent what's best about America. So, the mood was despondent. Um, I myself was in tears. Um, a lot of my friends were in tears. Uh, and I think that the, only, the, the way that it has evolved is that it really does look like there's um, a civic lesson, go, lesson going on, not only um, in America, but perhaps even uh, uh, among nations that support us or that work with us. There's a civic lesson going on about how important it is to be involved in politics and how important it is to be engaged and understand what the process is. Yeah. And, and lastly, I think, I think that also the, the amount of protest right now and the amount of dissent in the United States about the Trump presidency, at least for liberals, seems like a heartening—you know—it seems like a, a very thin cloud, uh, a silver lining on the on the cloud.
0: So let's move from the streets into the halls of power in Washington. You're very familiar with, with what goes on in the Senate. You're very familiar with what goes on in the Congress, having worked with very prominent senators. Uh, and, and really, you you worked with uh, Democratic senators on the left, in the center, and on the conservative side of being Democrats. So you have a great, uh, complete perspective of what's going on within the Democratic Party. When you look at um, Senator Schumer of New York tweeting he was sick to his stomach when Senator Jeff Sessions was confirmed as the attorney general, these are men who co-authored legislation and uh, as uh, Senator Sessions' confirmation began, there wasn't a senator who didn't profess to liking Senator Sessions personally. Is is the U.S. Congress, the Senate and the House, in total gridlock now, even more so than we've seen in the past? And, and, and how does that impact on, on the nation as a whole?
1: Well, it's a, yeah, the Congress was designed to move a little bit slowly. So... Um, gridlock a little bit of gridlock was sort of built into its plan the idea being that power would be decentralized in america so that no one individual or small group of individuals would have too much power so a little bit of gridlock is not necessarily to be wept about um but you know the under barack obama it really you know and having worked in the senate the senate republicans escalated i believe a new level of of gridlock and a new level of unwillingness to work with the other side. Now, they themselves, I really understand, they were looking back at the times the Democrats can control, and they had their own pet peeves about what they felt were escalations on the Democratic Party. So I really don't think that it's all all the blame belongs on one side. Um, but I do, you know, having been a, in the Senate and work with a parliamentarian and having been involved in the process, I have seen a, a huge de-escalation of involvement between the parties.
0: Yeah. Um, no, Roger- I think
1: that right now, I don't know how bad the, Repu- the Democrats are going to get. I mean, certainly there's a lot of pressure on the Democrats to be as obstructionist as they think the Republicans were. Um, but the Democratic Party doesn't tend to do that as well. And that's not a value judgment. The Democratic Party tends to be a little bit more diverse and, and have a little bit more disparate views in their tent. The tent seems to be a little bit bigger. And therefore, um, it's a little bit harder to corral everybody.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm that. not. I'm not suggest. I'm not suggesting that uh, that it's just the Democrats who are being obstructionist. The Republicans have just as much skill at that as we saw when Barack Obama was the president of the United States. Um, w- let me come back to what's going on with the youth in in the U.S. on college campuses. We've we've seen the complaints about safe spaces being compromised. There were. Um, Lots of college students were, were, were openly weeping, and you said you, you shed tears when uh, Donald Trump was elected. There was Play-Doh that was issued to students. I mean, it, it sounds on the surface, frankly, ridiculous, but I'm, I'm sure that if I'm talking to someone who is on the left side of the spectrum, what appears ridiculous to someone on the right, like me, uh, has, has meaning and substance, perhaps, to you. Am I correct?
1: Well, that, and that's among the reasons why I respect that you invited me on your show and why I also admire and appreciate your cordiality. I think the only way that the world has any hope is if, the you know, the Roy Greens and the Roger Wilsons are able to really have uh, an effective conversation where we really share what we have in common, not just how we see things differently. So I want to applaud you for inviting me and for talking to me in this gracious way. Well, so, yeah, it's, uh, you I, know, I, all, uh, it, Roger,
0: just so you know something about me, I've often said and I said it as recently as, yes, as, as recently as yesterday we're not going to get anywhere we will get absolutely nowhere if we're not able to speak openly and directly to one another and address the challenges and address the irritations and 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 take them head on if we don't do that the the chasm will only deepen and widen and become more difficult to cross
1: absolutely and I and I think that um and thank you. So in terms of, of Trump, one of the reasons why there were such tears, I mean, you're probably I, I don't know if you would disagree with me on this, but, you know, Donald Donald Trump could have run as a Democrat. Um, his, I, I, I don't even know if the people who support him on the far right really care um, that, you know, he's held very liberal views in the past and he's donated just as much money to Democrats over the years as Republicans. Um, I think they're, they're glad. They appear to be very glad that he's on their side now, and he certainly seems to be staying steadily on the far right. And so I, you know, I'm, I understand. I understand the excitement on the far right. They've got a real, a radical type of a candidate, and radical not in a not in a political sense, but radical. And this is a very innovative character, very um, charismatic character, a very unusual and polarizing figure, and that can be kind of exciting. The feeling among the Democrats is. We feel, and, I don't, and there's no way to know if we're 100% right or whether we're being self righteous in saying so, but we feel that if Donald Trump had run as a Democrat, we would have rejected him. That no matter what, even if he won, we would still be opposing him right now because we as Democrats feel like we're. we're um, I'll just speak for myself. I feel like a patriot. I feel like I love this country. I feel like I want a, a president who is qualified, who has an even temperament who doesn't uh, shoot it from the hip, who thinks things through. Um, I, too, have concerns about our security and our safety. I think every American does, and certainly our neighbors do. But I think that the ways to address it um, are radically different than the way that Donald Trump has chosen to do so. So I feel, as a Democrat, that it's upsetting to me that the, the, that my conservative brethren, many of my close friends, um, aren't more loudly condemning Donald Trump for his temperament for um, his racist statements, for his um, sexist statements, um, for his um, uneven and erratic behavior. You know, so um, at, the, at the very least, the Republicans who I tend to admire the most right now are those who say, you know something, I'm glad that we have a, a, a right-wing president because that's all what my views are, but there's no way that I can ever make a plausible argument that Donald Trump is fit to be president.
0: See, one of you know? the problems... One of Don't one head. of the one of the issues from the right is this, and you know it better than I. You're in the United States. Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. American voters had the option to make a decision. They had the option to make to to vote, and arguably, not enough uh, Hillary Clinton supporters bothered to do that. And she lost three significantly important swing states. She didn't spend a lot of time there. So then the position is: is he won the election on November the eighth? Let him go about doing his business. Let him go about being President of the United States. And don't step in the way each and every day. Allow him to do his job. That's the that's the view that is expressed by many on the right. Roger, can you hold on? I have to take a break, but I'd like to continue speaking with you. Is that okay? Of course. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll speak more with Roger Wolfson, who worked with senators, Democratic senators like uh, Ted Kennedy, like John Kerry, who became, of course, the Secretary of State uh, for the uh, United States. And uh, we'll talk more about Donald Trump and about how the left, the political left in the United States, views the president of the United of, of, of Donald Trump and what may happen going forward in the short and the longer term. Stay with us.
1: Roy Green isn't afraid to poke the bear. The bigger the bear, the bigger the poke. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network.
0: You know that our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is going to be going to Washington on Monday for a face-to-face with American President Donald Trump, and how's that going to turn out? We'll be asking you to share your thoughts and your views a little later on the show about that, and we'll have more conversation about it on uh, tomorrow's show. Lots coming up tomorrow, by the way, the opioid crisis. I'm going to be speaking with two of the leading physicians in this country on opioid issues. One is very, very strongly convinced um, that the whole issue of opioids has to be um, addressed in such a way that they're less available, most doctors feel that way. Uh, The other physician shares similar views but has concerns about patients who are using opioids now and very successfully and without any trouble. And there are many people like that, people who deal with extraordinary chronic pain issues and have uh, opioid prescriptions and use their opioids and don't have any problems. They get through their lives quite effectively. They just don't have to deal with the massive amounts of pain. So we'll have that issue, and we'll take calls from people who use opioids. We'll do that tomorrow. Roger Wolfson is with me, at Roger.Wolfson on Twitter, at Roger.Wolfson, W-O-L-F-S-O-N. He has worked with um, senators, uh, Democratic senators in the United States, Ted Kennedy and uh, uh, John Kerry among them, and uh, is a writer and consulting producer for USA Network's Fairly Legal and has written for NBC's Law & Order SVU, as well as Saving Grace and The Closure on uh, TNT. And we're talking about life on the left in the United States now with the presence of Donald Trump in the White House. Roger, we were, you and I were just talking off the air, and and I said to you that from my perspective, I look at the United States now, and it's becoming, if it hasn't already become, a dysfunctional society, and that worries me tremendously. Because I've been a huge fan of the United States and what the United States has done for the world for a, for a long period of time. And you said something to me about why this is going on. Please share that with my listeners.
1: Absolutely. And by the way, I, I gave you my proper Twitter account. It's Roger underscore Wolfson. So forgive me for that.
0: No, no. And
1: that... I and I want to thank you for being a fan of of, of America. Um, I too am a fan of America, and a, and a. Deep fan of, of, of Canada, um, and my best friend actually lives in Montreal. His name is Munir Bashur. Um and I, and I, you know, I I think that America, at its best, is a melting pot um, with tremendous moral leadership and tremendous, a tremendous sense of freedom, and I think that's how we who we are at our best. Um, at our worst, I think that we are a bunch of, <laughs> like, a, like a, a huge, overly large, neurotic family with deep-held resentments and frustrations that aren't very often expressed in a healthy way. Um, so my feeling is that you know, the, the reason that, w- that we ended up with Donald Trump as president is a mixture of things. Um, on the negative side of, of, of the mixture is I think that a, a lot of Americans who haven't totally come to terms with or made peace with their... Own latent racism and i'm not calling all americans racist and i'm not saying that everybody um is bad or that this is the entire motivation but i do think that the election and the the relatively successful presidency of of somebody who's of african-american who's african-american um kind of triggered um some really deep-seated frustrations And I'm not entirely sure whether Barack Obama or whether Hillary Clinton necessarily spoke to those frustrations in a way to solve them or soothe them or address them. And I think what then ended up happening is um, there was anger and frustration and a sense that, you know, America is losing its status as the world leader in some ways. And China and India are catching up on us and – Things are going well for certain nations abroad, although they might be going poorly for others. And the end result is that people needed to vent their frustrations. They needed to feel like there was an outside-the-box miraculous solution. And Donald Trump, to a lot of people, felt like that. Like maybe he's that guy.
0: Now, Roger, um, what, what, what I yeah. said to you off the air was, but it took a tremendous number of white Americans to vote for Barack Obama to assure him the presidency in 2008 and to continue with his presidency in 2012.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's just an example of, uh, of culture that a culture is very similar to a person. You know, um, you and I right now are speaking cordially and respectfully and uh, hopefully I, I can certainly say on my side with admiration um, for you
0: Thank you. Well, I but I,
1: but it, it, it's entirely possible that if we met under different circumstances, the exact same two people, if we we—if our temperatures were up and it was right before Election Day and we both felt very strongly and we were in the same country, and that you and I could have a terrible interaction. And I think that that's part of what a, what a country's like. Sometimes America responds to what I would consider to be its better angels and decides, you know, let's put somebody in the White House um, who who um, is, of a, you know, from a culture, meaning the African-American community that has been historically in America treated poorly, let's do that and feel good about it. And then it's possible the next day or a week later or four years later I might feel totally differently. I might be in an angry place or I might be, um, and I, I don't want to attribute a vote for Trump as purely an angry vote. Except for some people it was a hopeful vote. Um, but they get to feel differently about things. You know, and that is part of a, that's also part of the melting pot.
0: But when you look at what the Democrats offered the American voter uh, as an alternative to Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, she was not admired, isn't liked. uh, There was very little believability. uh, There was just no great appetite for Hillary Clinton. And so I'm going to suggest to you that there are many Americans, not um, uh, not just white Americans, who looked at the Clintons, understand the legacy, heard about the uh, Clinton Foundation and the concerns that exist there, and decided that they could not vote for Hillary Clinton. Now, had Bernie Sanders been the Democratic presidential candidate, I have a sense that this may have turned out very differently because those swing states, they may still have gone for Donald Trump, but there would have been a greater chance that they might have gone for Bernie Sanders. So So the Democrats didn't offer... The Democrats didn't offer the Republican voter or the American voter a really significantly uh, positive improvement uh, in choice for who would sit in the, in the Oval Office.
1: I, I, I think that's a very good point. Um, I don't agree with all of it, um, simply because I, I, I do want to look at the numbers. Hillary Clinton did win almost 3 million votes more than Trump, so more Americans wanted her to be president and voted for that. And I also look at the letter that James Comey sent eleven days before the election that that really cost Hillary Clinton the election. If that letter hadn't gone out, she would have been president.
0: I wonder about um, that. I, I wonder about that. and And Roger, when you look at those three million extra votes, those were in essentially in uh, in, in states where they have a significantly large population mass, and the su- majority of the population are Democrat supporters, California, New York being two of the examples i think there's a third one was it oregon or or state of washington i can't remember which
1: one i'm I'm not sure but you know we also can't really do that i mean we're either in america or not you know i mean you could say well you know in in certain states like texas or in all the red states there was a disproportionate number of people who voted for donald trump you know that's that's what happened but if those those three million
0: if those three million extra votes are located in let's say california new york and one other that, in a way, negates the argument of the of the majority vote. Our prime minister in Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau, was uh, were, there were more Canadians who voted against him than voted for him, but he still is the prime minister.
1: And you know that's part of the that's part of your system, um, and the electoral college is part of ours. Right. I personally think that you know I don't entirely agree with it, but I, I don't think that you can pick and choose your voters. Um, i don't think you can even say that it's three million more voters were necessarily in california you could say that california is just going to vote the way california did and that those three million votes came from the red states you know i mean it's it's really it, to me that does that map doesn't really add up but i want i want to just get to your the inherent point which is i do agree with you that i that hillary clinton was it was not an ideal candidate but she was certainly a more qualified candidate than donald trump she certainly had more relevant experience She certainly had more demonstrated familiarity with the issues. What she did, I do believe, fail to do was connect to blue-collar white voters in this country on the same level that Donald Trump was able to, and that did contribute to her loss. Um, I, I, I think she would have won had James Comey not written that letter, but I also would have liked her margin of victory to be even larger, and I think it could have been larger if she had more sensitivity to that, and it was very frustrating to me as a Democrat, and it was very frustrating other Democrats, and
0: you know, it's hard. But, Ger, I have about a minute and a half left. Let me ask you about Hollywood. Matthew McConaughey uh, said it's time to respect the president, and he caught hell. John Voight is a Donald Trump supporter, as is Mel Gibson, and a handful of other recognizable names from the movies and television. That's an area that you're very familiar with. Is it professional suicide in the entertainment industry to support uh, Donald Trump? And is the support of the constant, um, unwavering majority support of Democrats and the ridiculing of Donald Trump uh, by the entertainment industry, isn't that going to run, if it hasn't already, the risk of alienating people on the fence who just don't want to be constantly reminded at self-congratulatory award ceremonies that the people in the room don't don't like the president?
1: Well, I, I... It's a good point, and I do think that it's not very popular in Hollywood right now to say that you voted for Trump. I think that um Hollywood tends to be more on the left side, but I also you know i when I wrote for the TV show Saving Grace, which starred holly hunter um the my my boss was a woman um named Nancy Miller, who's from Oklahoma, who's a proud Trump supporter, and she and I love each other very much. We have some pretty heated debates from time to time. But there are Republicans out here, and they do speak with an open mind and they do get heard um i think that you know these award ceremonies and in taking bites at trump i don't think that that's coming from a partisan place i think they're speaking to his policies and policies that maybe some of your listeners might on some level agree to like i don't think that if trump was talking about building a wall between canada and america that canadians would be happy about that or they would think it was secure or smart so i think a lot of the dissent against trump isn't necessarily oh you you thinking republicans how dare you do that it's how can you support somebody who doesn't seem to have any respect for civil rights and human rights who really seems so volatile and who says such inflammatory things when he's sitting behind the desk in the oval office all
0: right roger i hope you'll come back on the show i'd love to Good. Well, we'll call you again. It's at Roger underscore Wolfson on Twitter, right? At Roger underscore Wolfson, W-O-L-F-S-O-N. And we will call you again, That's Roger. It. Thanks Thanks so much for the time.
1: You have a lovely day.
0: You too. So my number is 1-800-263-2428, 1-800-263-2428. I really wanted an opportunity to speak to somebody on the left in the United States about this issue, about what's going on. Emotionally, and what's going on as far as politics is concerned, and why this whole dysfunctional apparatus seems to be falling apart, and there's so much anger at uh, well, both sides angry at each other. So, you heard Roger Wolfson representing the left side of the spectrum uh, in, uh, in the U.S. Is what you heard what you expected? And has Mr. Wolfson changed your mind, perhaps, if you were a Trump supporter? Is what you heard from Roger Wilson, has it been enough to make you think, well, maybe I ought to take a look at this Trump guy again. Maybe I really shouldn't be supporting him. Or are you still 100% supportive of Donald Trump? 1-800-263-2428 is my number The green show on the chorus radio network.